0: This takes place back around 2017 or 2018 when I was a bit younger. My stepfather owned two acres of land in the forest in Maryland, while we lived in the small part that separated it from the rest of West Virginia. One day, after a snowfall, my sister and I were clearing a path to a barn he had in the back of the property. As we made our way back, we noticed something strange, bare footprints, measuring about 16 to 18 inches in size. The footprints ended not too far into the forest. We didn't think much of it at the time and went back inside the house. It wasn't until later that month when my sister brought up the possibility that it could have been a windigo. We initially played it off as a joke, but looking back, it does make me wonder. Considering it was December, with limited visibility due to the snow, and we were just two 12-year-olds, the situation becomes more unsettling in retrospect. If I had been the only one to investigate those footprints, I shudder to think what might have happened. What truly unsettles me is the realization that it may have been stalking us every night, waiting for the right moment to try and snatch one of us kids. Now, I can't say with 100% certainty that it was a Wendigo, but everything seems to add up. If anyone out there can help me confirm or shed some light on what we experienced, I would greatly appreciate it. On May 9th of this year, I went on a walk in the patch of woods near my house. In Northern Wisconsin with my dog and older sister. My father recently passed away and to attempt to reconnect with my family I took matters into my own hands and invited them all over for a week. Only my sister showed and and I wasn't planning on anyone else showing. My sister has always been the stereotypical blue-haired, short, astrology girl and believes in everything you can think about. When we were 12 and 14 she took me to her friend's house to hunt a skinwalker that just turned out to be a stray dog. And since then we haven't done anything in the woods due to her sudden urge to stay inside and smoke pot for months. But that's beside the point. We were walking along a path around dusk and it started to get very cold. We decided that we should set up camp as we are far too away from home to not get back before 6am and don't feel like hanging out in darkness. After setting up a small fire and tent, she called it a night while I tended to the fire. Roughly two hours after she fell asleep I went to relieve myself behind a large dead tree. After coming back to camp I noticed that there was a foul almost rotten smell around the camp. I reached for my bag to get some incense and realized my bag was missing. I panicked for a second until I saw it near the edge of the light made by the fire. Thinking nothing of it I stood up and as I walked toward my bag I froze. My bag was being slowly dragged farther out of the light by a very pale, human-like hand. This hand was in no way human as I came to my senses and noticed the large claws and shiny glass-like skin that seemed to be covered in a clear liquid. Who's there, give me back my bag, I said while reaching for my pistol on my belt. Just as I fully unsheathed my pistol the hand suddenly recoiled, however now I could see a face. A large, terrifying face with milky white skin and eyes, with the bluest veins under the eyes. I saw that the thing's tongue was long and was the only thing moving other than the trees and the wind. Its antlers were black. Like they were made of mold. I lost it. I shot the damn thing and with the muzzle flash, I saw a massive, deer-like humanoid that must have been seven to eight feet tall. I fell to the ground covering my ears as the creature let out a loud scream sounding like a moose that had been shoved into a meat grinder alive. I came to my senses and saw the thing charge me. I froze as it just to the right of the tent and tipped it over. My sister was already awake at this point as the scream rose her. After what had to have been two hours of making the fire go from a small forge into a massive bonfire to illuminate the surrounding woods. Eventually I fell asleep with my Glock 19 in my hands which we itching to shoot anything that moved. I awoke to my sister shaking me at what must have been 10 am as the sun was already well in the sky. After getting our belongings we began walking back to the house checking our surroundings as we went, we didn't want that thing to follow us back to the house and torment us there. When we were able to see the light coming from my yard lights which I forgot to turn off, I froze. On the top of my shed there was a gutted what seemed to be a deer without its hind legs. We dropped our stuff and ran to the house, where we called the police. I got fined for wasting their time. I'd tried to forget this and move on with my life but on the 19th of this month, I saw that thing in my yard, digging a hole while a dead deer was on its broad, pale, skinny shoulders. It was staring at me. It saw me. IT saw me. I blinked and it was gone. I know what I saw. I need help. I have three guns in my home not including my pistol which i always have on me should i try to kill the thing please help me i was 18 years old and went on a fishing trip with my four friends jack zoe Jocko, and lex we chose a fishing spot under a bridge about one miles away from any houses the day started out fun with everyone excited to go fishing and relax. We walked to the spot, passing squash fields along the main road, and grabbed a few as we went, along with some corn. We arrived at the fishing spot and spent a few hours fishing, enjoying the peacefulness of the surroundings. As it approached 9.30 p.m., things took a turn. Before I continue, I want to mention that one of my friends is a descendant of the Navajo tribe and believes in Druidic beliefs, while I personally identify as an atheist. Suddenly, we started hearing dogs barking in the distance, as if a wild pack of dogs was nearby. However, the chances of that seemed unlikely, so we considered the possibility of coyotes. However, we soon realized that coyotes don't bark like that, they yip instead. The paranoia started to settle in, and we contemplated the idea of walking the eight miles back and drowning our worries in a bottle of rum at my friend's house. As we made our way back, a quarter of the way there, my Navajo friend abruptly stopped in the middle of the road. His expression changed from concern to sheer fear. I approached him, curious about what had caught his attention, and he grabbed my wrist, pointing my hand out towards the fields. There, I saw it pair of eyes staring back at me, their size resembling footballs. My friend and I silently agreed to keep this sighting between us. We didn't want to freak everyone else out and risk getting separated, so we picked up the pace, forcing the others to follow along. Halfway back to my friend's house, we passed by a white farmhouse with a cornfield across from it. Suddenly, it felt like a plane buzzed by, and a 40-yard trail of destruction was left in the cornfield. Something had crashed through it. And to add to the chaos, we still heard the dogs following us. As we finally arrived at my friend's house, we pulled out a 12-gauge shotgun and a bottle of rum. We sat on the porch, on high alert. In the distance, we could hear the same dogs that had been following us earlier, whining as if they were upset with us. As the night progressed, I found myself having night terrors, a combination of fear and alcohol-induced dreams. It was certainly an unforgettable experience at my buddy's house, to say the least. I have always loved the solitude and tranquility of the wilderness. Being a park ranger stationed near Yosemite National Park, I had grown accustomed to the sights and sounds of nature. But recently, something had changed. The local wildlife, especially the bears, started displaying bizarre and aggressive behavior. It was as if they were becoming more territorial and predatory. I couldn't ignore the signs any longer. One evening, while on a routine patrol, a pungent odor filled the air. It was a foul stench that lingered and seemed out of place in this pristine wilderness. My curiosity got the better of me, and I decided to follow the source of the smell. I trekked through the dense forest, flashlight in hand, until I reached a small clearing. And there, amidst the towering trees, I saw it. A creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. It stood on two legs, its darkish figure towering over any man I had ever seen. It was a formidable sight, and an overwhelming sense of threat washed over me. As I shone my flashlight on it, I caught a glimpse of its eyes, shining an eerie blue in the beam. Time seemed to stand still as it locked its gaze upon me. I could feel the primal fear coursing through my veins. Suddenly, the creature turned its attention to a bear that had wandered into the clearing. To my shock, it attacked the bear with brute force, overpowering the creature effortlessly. The scene unfolded before my eyes, a surreal clash between two powerful animals. In a split second, I realized I was witnessing a battle between the creature and the very bear that had been displaying such aggressive behavior. Instinct took over, and I raised my rifle, aiming carefully at the creature. I squeezed the trigger, and the gunshot echoed through the forest. The creature let out a bone-chilling scream, but instead of falling, it turned and vanished into the depths of the woods, leaving the lifeless bear carcass behind. I stood there, heart pounding, my mind racing to comprehend what had just transpired. Had I truly encountered a creature believed to be nothing more than a fiction? Was it a Bigfoot? The evidence before me made it hard to deny. Days turned into weeks. The once aggressive wildlife seemed to settle down, their behavior returning to normal. I couldn't help but wonder if my encounter with the creature had somehow restored the natural balance. As time went on, no further reports of aggressive wildlife surfaced. The forests returned to their peaceful state, and I began to believe that the creature I had encountered was indeed the cause of the turmoil. It seemed that by confronting and injuring it, I had put an end to him. But I still wonder, was this a Sasquatch? April 2008. At the time, I was an officer with the city of the Moor Police Department. It was around 11, and my partner and I were patrolling near the area around Northwest 19th Street, responding to several calls of screams and an abandoned meat packaging plant. This plant had closed down about 20 years earlier. We never found anything but thought it could've just been teenagers trying to get in trouble. After we investigated all around the plant, not finding anything, we headed back, getting ready to close up the investigation. As we're walking back up, we notice something large moving behind a chain-link fence. Pulling in our flashlights, pointing it toward where we saw movement, that's when we saw it. It jumped off one of the walls on top of the buildings, crouching down, looking at us. It did not look like any animal known here on Earth. It had dark grayish skin with large black eyes, small fangs sticking out of its mouth, and this white hair running down its jawline. With muscular arms almost touching the ground, it looked like a cross between a bat and a human. And it quickly turned, jumping off the building onto another, running across it, and disappearing over a large stack of old wooden planks. My partner looked at me like I was crazy, and I told him what I saw. He said it couldn't be real and that I was pranking him. But when we got back in our cars, ready to leave, We noticed there was also a small hole in the fencing where something had apparently tried to dig into the ground underneath. As we drove out of there, my partner just seemed to get lost somewhere between his thoughts and fear while looking to me for answers. We searched the perimeter and the surrounding area more but found nothing, ultimately continuing on with our shift. After we were off duty, we went to O'Malley's Bar & Grill, about an hour away near Norman, Oklahoma, and we had a few drinks not sure if it was the liquor speaking, but as we talked more after a few beers, he admitted that he had seen the same thing too, just before I called him over to help. He tells me that it reminded him of this vampire entity that would visit him as a child every night and terrify him. He claims it would jump from his closet into his bedroom, growl at him, threaten to hurt him and his family. He then describes the same look we saw that night at the plant, the dark grey skin and fangs but he still denies that this thing was real and that it didn't even exist. When we finished up our beers, we went back to Moore and started our normal routine. This is something that will always stick with me. I was working in the Redwood National Park at the time, and only worked the night shift. I had never experienced a bear encounter in the park, although I heard people had been seeing them a lot lately. My shift was on a Friday night from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., so I had time to do my thing and catch up on anything. Usually, I carried a radio, a cell phone, and a gun. The radio was a base radio that could reach the visitor center in case of an emergency. The cell phone was specially designed for communication, so I could know who I was talking to. It wasn't exactly a personal cell phone or work cell phone, It was like an enhanced signal phone they give you. The thing about being a ranger at night was you can get very lonely, and the visitor center was closed during the day in these hours, so only other rangers were even working in the park. There was a lot of traveling with nobody to talk to, the radio was key to know what the other ranger was doing and if they were nearby. I took my time that evening, doing my rounds and stopping to enjoy the scenery even at night, it was one of the best perks of the job. Now, the visitor center was located on the west side of the park, and I would have to drive all my way around the west side to start my rounds. To make it to the west side, I would have to travel through the Dipsy Trail, which is a very popular trail for mountain bikers and hikers alike. The trail is open from 6am to 6pm. At night, it was very dark and foggy. I only got a radio call a couple of times during my shift, but never did I see another ranger. As I was driving along the Dipsy trail, the fog was thick, and I could not see up the road ahead. As I was traveling about 20 miles an hour, I would use the brake lights of the car to see where I was going at some points. As I came around the corner, I saw what I thought was a mountain biker standing next to a tree. Making note of him, I made a comment out loud about how he should not be here, and the trail is closed. As I got closer, I noticed that this person wasn't actually wearing any clothes and was facing the tree. It was maybe about 3 feet away from the fog light of the car, and their back was facing me. I asked out loud several times, and the person did not move, all of my lights were on. Now, I was about 10 feet from this person and I kept asking if they were okay and if they needed help. I began to get scared, I asked again if they needed help and turned on the siren. I still did not get a response, something was wrong. I got to about 5 feet away from the tree the person was standing next to, and that's when this person just fell over. They were dead, and their face had been carved away, literally like with a knife, think of how a pumpkin is. It was as if somebody had burrowed into their skull, and the face was gone. I have no idea how it was possible that they were actually standing up and how they managed to fall over. It reminded me of something that would happen to you in a horror movie, but I bailed out of there. After describing to the other rangers what I saw, they agreed to stay at the station with me, and we go back to the trail to check it out. So we all ended up going down there within 10 minutes of the area where I originally saw the person on the trail. But as I got closer to the same spot, now I saw a different figure, a naked woman. I slowed down, and she began looking in my direction. The only issue is, I passed right through her, and her eyes began glowing red right after she passed my vehicle, or should I say walked through my vehicle, and then disappeared entirely. I mean, The other rangers were pretty scared and freaked out. We weren't exactly sure what to do, we just wanted to come out of the park. We wanted to be done. And by the way, there was no account of that body anymore. As a ranger, I should have called the body in and got help, but I was so spooked that I couldn't help but leave. This is when we went to retrieve that body that I'm talking about, the one with the burned out face. There were no signs of it, no signs of blood, Attack, a murder, anything. Not even a trail or footmarks. It's as if the body just mysteriously disappeared. And then, the apparition of the naked woman with glowing eyes. I'm not sure what to think about that. Last I heard, and lastly, my colleagues have heard, this trail and park is not haunted. But either way, I'm not sure what to think about it. Maybe it was a demonic encounter, maybe it was something else. I've been in many training sessions and have seen other rangers have paranormal experiences before. I've thought about telling somebody outside my work circle, I've just been very hesitant. People will probably laugh at me, potentially think I'm crazy. But I witnessed something that I did not understand. It changed me forever because it scared me and proved to me that those things sometimes you see in horror movies are true. I've thought a lot about this over the years and have finally decided to open up and talk to somebody. Last night at about 2 AM, my dog started barking viscously. I have a German Shepherd, she's a guard dog. So I'm no stranger to aggressive barks. But this was the most intense behavior I had ever seen before. She was barking at the door so my first thought was there's an intruder at the door. Again, I really have never heard her behave like that. I thought about getting a weapon. I was really scared someone might be at the door, but then I remembered that my cat was outside, so maybe it was my cat making a fuss. Even if it was an intruder, my dog would kill someone to protect me. I looked through our peephole but no one was there. So I opened the door, my dog had been barking the whole time. When I opened the door, instead of going out to sniff around like she usually does. She planted herself in front of my and got even louder. She was guarding me. I have never seen anything like it from her. I looked out to see what it could be, and then I saw it. The first thing I noticed were the eyes, it was like when you shot a light on an animal's eyes, sort of glowing in the nighttime darkness. I then noticed the antlers and thought it must be a deer. But then, I realized its face looked about 9 feet above the ground. Then I noticed its body. I could make the outline and could tell it was fur, but it was standing in a human-like position. Hunched over almost, on its hind legs. I have never been so terrified as soon as I realized I was looking at something paranormal I slammed the door and shut all of my windows, locked all the doors. And hid under the sheets like I was a little kid. I am still shaken up. I can't stop thinking about it. I haven't fallen asleep tonight because every time I close my eyes I see it. I'm curious what this creature was. I know the appearance of the wendigo is debated and seems to be controversial. But I am still terrified by what I saw. If anyone has any information relative to my story, I would love some insight. Thanks to whoever believes me, One of my sons and I like to hike in the backwoods of Oregon and Washington states. Several years ago we were on a backpacking trip during the middle of the week to several lakes on the shoulder of Mount Hood. Right at dusk we had a super heavy something walk into our little hidden camp on two feet shaking the ground. It abruptly stopped just outside our little tent. Then there was a big whack sound from where it had walked in on us. We were zipped in the tent because it had begun to rain. We sat still because flight or fight had kicked in for both of us. We were waiting to see what the next move would be. We sat waiting for what might come next. Because of being in the woods backpacking for many years, we learned to have a cool head and evaluate what we might be up against. Then out of the deafening silence, there was an answering rock clap from the opposite side of the tent. We were now aware that we were dealing with two separate things right outside our tent we sat waiting. Nothing. No noise. No brush or underbrush. No snuffling. Dead silence. We got out of the tent and saw nothing. Since there was only one way out of that camp, and the thing had walked in on the only path out, it was now fully dark, plus a few miles back to where our truck was parked. I made the decision to stick right there for the rest of the night. We would walk out in the morning. I rolled over and went to sleep. I know, strange, but I think the shock of it made me adapt with and it is what it is at this point. My son laid awake most of the night expecting them to come back. They didn't. No smell. No noise beyond the two signals we heard coming from different directions. The creepiest part of the whole experience was the tranquil retreat. What animal arrives shaking the ground, sends and receives a signal, and then melts away without a sound? I was so glad my son was there with me on that trip. It is helpful to have someone who experienced it all too. Since the night that happened my son will straight up tell you there is Sasquatch in the deep woods of Oregon. It was a super odd experience for sure. I live on 10 acres in southern Oregon in the woods. I back up to BLM land that goes for miles. I am aware of what is out there beyond our door. I hope to never run into one here on our own ground. No, thank you. This is no joke for me. I'm a park ranger for a state park in the Pennsylvania Game Commission. I was working one day and something I've never seen before stared me down as I was hiking to a remote campsite. I have never seen a deer act like they did. They were terrified unlike anything I've seen in behavior. I have seen coyotes and even bear. But this was something different. I've heard the term dogman before reading this, and after speaking to a fellow Native American friend, he said he had heard of similar creatures. I have to say that the incident, I've been followed a couple of times. I'm only writing this to you because my father said that I will be helped by reaching out to somebody who knows what they're talking about. I have vowed to carry a weapon with me every time I go out, even on personal occasions. If you decide to read this, maybe your audience can offer some advice. For context, I don't actually know if this is a Wendigo-related experience. It's just a possibility out of a thousand and due to my ignorance of the manner I came here looking for answers. For context this takes place at my grandfather's property in Walla Walla, Washington. It was an ordinary camping trip and i had invited my two best friends from high school names don't matter so i'll just call them frank and chris it was getting late at night and we wanted to kill time before the big campfire of the night so as fearless teenagers do we hit the trails we walked for about one and a half miles away from camp on a straight trail until arriving in a patch of dead forest Which was strange because it was the only patch of dead vegetation in a 12-mile radius around the property. So this puts us of edge it's strange and eerie. Then all of a sudden we all get hit with a sense of suspense and anxiety and as we look at each other for confirmation of sharing the same experience we hear a fog horn. Yet again we have no neighbors. And without communicating we all know to just run. We ran and ran driven by primal fear. The fear that you experience when you know you're the prey. We didn't stop till we were at the fire. I don't know what it was but whatever it was I wasn't trying to find out. If anyone has an answer please tell me. Mainly looking for the significance of the dead forest and the fog horn. I believe my husband and I saw a hellhound. We live in rural northern Idaho and we both hunt. So we know everything about animals, even in pitch darkness. We don't have regular plumbing. We have to turn on an electric well every morning to fill it up. Our tank can last us three to four days, but we like it filled, just in case. There are other tanks like that scattered in the woods. Just waiting for someone to buy the land and build a home. We were taking a walk and it got dark so we went back home. However, on our way home we saw something not human or animal, near one of the wells. It was hunched over like it was eating. We walked carefully closer, about 20 feet from this thing. Trying to figure out what it is. Too large for a stray dog or wolf and too small for a bear. But whatever it was, it looked at us with red eyes. I've never been more scared in my life. My husband is scared of nothing and he was scared too. We took off running. My god we never ran so fast in our lives. It did chase for a while, then it just disappeared. We got to our house and it was just gone. We knew it was behind us when we left the woods, but we couldn't see it. We locked all the windows and doors that night. We talked to one of the town locals about the thing we saw. He showed us a picture of a hellhound. He told us stories about people meeting the hellhound in the same area, always near a well, roads, crossroads, or places of death. Seeing him once will bring us happiness, seeing him twice will bring us sorrow, and seeing him three times will bring us an end. I don't know what we saw, but hellhound is the only explanation. I'm 38 and an army veteran trying to work as a local carpenter in Maine, the state where I've almost always lived. I've had two encounters with the creature I will soon tell you about, one that occurred when I was a teenager and actually one a couple years ago. The house I am currently living in is my father's since he now has multiple heart conditions and would have to live alone. I and my sister grew up in this house which is in eastern Maine. Living here as a child always felt a little off as if something was not right in a way, it's hard to describe. The house is surrounded by woods on almost all sides and sits on a dead-end road with six or seven houses down the way. We own 70 acres of dense forest that are littered with ATV trails and walking trails. I've been out on these trails over a hundred times probably just clearing them for neighbors who we let use them and just trying to maintain them. But every time I'm out there I feel like I'm being stalked. In this area, I nor my father have ever seen a bear, wolf, or mountain lion nothing really above the size of a bobcat. As a teen, I liked dressing up in military gear and going out to play war and games similar, normally go out with my friends Sid and Marvin, two guys who lived down the road. Sid was an older dude around 18 who smoked and did average tough guy stuff. Marv, who I still am friends with today, we even served together until he was discharged, was more on my level. We were both pretty timid young guys who didn't really associate with most people and just enjoyed being out in the woods and chilling. Anyway, one day we had gone out around 3pm on a chilly winter evening to go play as we did most days. We all grabbed our gear which was stuff that Sid's dad who was a Vietnam vet had given him and then Sid had shared with us. This included medical kits, an ammo box, grenade pouches, etc. He even gave Sid an old handgun, without the magazine or ammunition, but Sid's dad still didn't allow him to take it out of the house. So after a while of walking down one of the paths we come to one of our favorite spots which is sort of like a clearing full of boulders and moss. At the time it was covered in knee-deep snow. Normally my mother would not have let us go out this far but she wasn't there to say no since she was in New Hampshire for the holidays. We had been out there for quite a while throwing snowballs and pretending they were grenades and blasting at each other with our sticks. It was about 5 PM when we were starting to gather our stuff because it was beginning to get dark. As I'm scooping up my stuff Marv talks in a confused and worrisome tone. Hey guys, what the hell is that thing? He draws our attention to a tall completely black creature standing on two legs, its arms dangling by its sides and dragging through the snow. From our angle at 50 or 60 meters away, we couldn't see its face but it was walking away from us. I remember a weird tightness in my chest after realizing that I had no idea what we were looking at. Then Sid yelled out hey hairball. Then the creature stopped. My chest grew even tighter and it felt like my body was frozen after I saw its abrupt stop. It slowly turned towards us, Its face had no facial features but it looked to be plain flesh. No nose, eyes, or mouth. We were so frightened that none of us could talk. It stared at us for a couple minutes before one of us suggested the bright idea of leaving. We crept away as the sun was now really low, while one of us constantly looked back until we got out of sight. Then we bolted back to my house where we hid inside, collapsing onto the living room floor. We were silent for a moment before I broke out laughing. The others joined in. After a few seconds Sid said okay, guys. But WTF did we just see? We tried rationalizing but I think we all knew that we had seen something that didn't belong. The guys ended up staying the night at my place that night. We stayed up late drinking hot chocolate and every now and then stepping onto the front porch to see if it may have followed us. After a couple days, The creature mostly disappeared from our minds. We still got together and hung out having adventures in the woods. I never told my parents about this thing that we saw because they probably would have believed me and I didn't want to go through all the trouble of explaining it to them over and over. Neither did I tell my sister because she wouldn't care and I wouldn't receive any feedback, so it was pointless. We three also never really brought the creature up again, it was like an unspoken agreement. My second encounter transpired in roughly the same area about a mile or two from there three years ago. I had just been honorably discharged and been home with my father for no more than a month picking up odd jobs mostly in auto and house repairs, both being skills I learned from my time overseas. It was a summer evening when I decided to head out on the trails and take a look around, after all, I haven't been out there for ages and expected the trails to be overgrown. So I took with me some basic brush clearings equipment such as a hatchet, an old machete, and some other stuff and then set out. Sid had recently moved to Vermont and Marv had been medically discharged a while ago and left with a leg disability making it hard to walk. I would have asked him to join me if not for his disability. I had made it half a mile into the main path moving and cutting up the suspected limbs, branches and overgrown grass as best as possible hoping to come back tomorrow with a wheat whacker to do some more work. As I got deeper the feeling of being watched returned, the same feeling I got as a teenager when I was out there. And I began noticing that the dense growth was getting thinner and more and more limbs were smashed or pushed out of the way. As well, the tall grass and overgrowth were no longer in the way. In fact, The trail became almost cleared and looked like it used to. I was shocked that somebody cared enough to come out here and clear all this. But as I thought on it more I remembered that the entrance hadn't been groomed, so how did they get in? I began looking closely at the ground noticing feet or paw prints I had never seen before, I crouched down to gain a better look. The print had three pointy toes each about six inches long, and were spaced about three feet apart in sets of two. I didn't recognize these and decided to just follow them a little further to check it out. About a quarter of a mile later I see this creature. My second encounter, and so far my last time. It was walking from the side of the path at a slow pace not acknowledging my presence. Not yet at least. It slowly crossed the path and continued into the woods and after a minute I walked up to the area where he had entered and there it was strolling or creeping into the woods still not noticing me. I could hear his arms dragging across the forest floor and his fur coat still looked silky black, yet I wanted to see its face again but not to the point where I would risk being spotted. So I slowly reached for my phone only to realize that it was in the front pocket of my backpack as I didn't want to lose it while working. I pulled the bag from my shoulders and placed it in front of me and began unzipping the pocket. But as I did the creature stopped as he had done the last time. Oh Lord Jesus! I thought as I froze and my chest tightened. It began to turn. Its fleshy face began staring back at me. I tightened the grip on the hatchet I had in hand and now that I think about it that probably wouldn't have done much to the 8-foot behemoth now that I think about it. We both stared motionless for what felt like hours. In reality, I had no idea how long we had been there. I eventually stood up with my legs feeling numb. I backed away until it was out of sight and then took off as fast as I could go. As I was running I was sure I heard a violent scream from behind me but I wasn't going to turn to look. Long story short, I haven't been back in those woods for three years and don't plan on it either. I know this may sound over exaggerated or fake like something from a children's book but I know what I saw and Marvin knows what he saw. I will never forget this. I was living in a travel trailer for a time on my sister's property, about three acres or so, circa the summer of 2019. The house was in the front, on half the property, and I was in the wild lands back field behind the backyard. This was near Redding, California, and the Sacramento River, only several blocks away, basically in the country, and county, outside of town but quite a few residences up and down the streets around the area on big lots. I don't remember what made me open the door and stick my head out to look around one late evening, but something caused me to do it. Maybe some noise. As I was looking around, I heard what sounded like several very slow footsteps in dry brush, going crack. Snap. Crack. Like someone was walking away slowly, kind of being stealthy. I then realized it was right there, about 15 feet away, maybe on this side of the see-through wire fence, but it could have been right on the other side of the neighbor's property back section. So I was looking, waiting to see some animal wildlife or something, but there was nothing. It was dark, but I had my outside trailer light on and there was some good moonlight. If there was something there, I should have been able to see it. Then I heard someone run off into the backfield it had to be a very large, if not huge, heavy animal, like a horse. It was bump. 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 I was surprised it didn't shake the ground or trailer. But not a four-legged horse like clippity-clop, it was an obvious two-legged run, probably with a very long stride. And then it was gone. But I saw nothing like it was invisible. I went back in and locked my door and nothing else happened. I looked around the next day for some footprints but didn't find any. I can only think that it must have been a Bigfoot. Is it possible that it was cloaked or invisible? Okay so a few years ago, maybe like 2 or 3 I was out walking out in the woods behind my grandmother's house. And I had a really bad feeling like A was being watched and heard something following behind me. Deer season was just about to start so I thought nothing about it cause I thought it might be a deer. Deer tend to hang out in the woods so it wasn't much of a worry. I was about to head back through the trees and found a tree that I didn't feel particularly comfortable being near. As I had picked up bad vibes, but I was being stupid and I looked around the tree and it had like really big and strange claw marks in and on the bark of it. There was also some bones from what I'm guessing was a canine when I had made it out of the woods. I had went inside the house, I don't really remember how I got there, and my grandmother and why I had been bleeding. Note that I always carry a knife on me. So I went into the bathroom to patch it up. That was the end of that interaction. Something of the same sort had happened a few months later when I was visiting my aunt. I had also decided to explore the woods near her place and I had caught a glimpse of a really tall figure covered in fur I had taken out my photo to take a picture of it and zoomed in to get a better look at it. And noticed it was covered in leaves and a little bit of blood. It had very large antlers so I went back to her house and researched about it. Both settings of the woods were both more so marshy. So I decided to just call the Windigo Marsh. So now I have a windigo that lives out behind my grandparents house I had also wound up hearing a call and screaming when I was walking. My significant other and I used to manage a fly and fishing resort outpost in very far northwestern Ontario. We did this for a few years in the summers. We would live on an island from late April, early May until mid-October on a lake that had no road rail access at all. There was also no phone service, no internet, no TV, no electric grid, no indoor plumbing, etc. This shit was as remote as it gets and we'd live it for seven months out of our year. Now typically the planes that get people in and out of there are little Cessnas, and 50-year-old de Havilland Beavers and Otters, Cubs slash Super Cubs and the like. Very old, loud planes that you can hear coming miles away, fly low, 5,000 feet typically, and don't fly past sundown. So this one night me and significant other are outside having before bed smoke and dog is out with us. We're alone this week on the lake as there's no guests on the lake at all. Meaning there's no other humans for about 500 kilometers in any direction from us. It's about 12am, pitch black and suddenly we see this light come over the trees of our island. But something's off about it. It's not a shooting star or an airplane, that's apparent. It moves weirdly, changes direction suddenly, changes altitude. It's almost scanning for something. It's also completely silent. As we watch it we both have this feeling of dread and fear. The dog also begins to freak out, barking and hair standing up on end. At this point we run inside and turn every light in our cabin off. We then watch as it continues onward over the lake. As it goes is stops in intervals and adjusts its altitude. Up, scans forward a few hundred feet. Down, scans forward, up scans forward. Down scans forward. It does this until it's over the next tree line and out of sight. It took us another hour to fall asleep. We've never been believers so to speak in extraterrestrial life or unearthly UFOs, But that pretty much converted us on the spot because it was so scary we were shaking afterward. I'm just glad someone was with me because every time I write this it sounds crazy. But it happened. I grew up a hardcore atheist and non-believer in the paranormal. Even the thought of ET life forms with technology capable of light-speed travel seemed far-fetched and improbable. God seemed impossible and if God did exist according to a scripture I felt like he was a being without good morals. Around 2017 I became more of an agnostic who shattered his ideals of absolution but still needed evidence for proof. I don't claim to know what could or could not be out there anymore. All I know is that the possibility remains. My father lives off Highway 44 between St. James and Cuba, Missouri. For several years, He has had strange events and sightings at his house and in his area. Going back to 2018, my father, my brother, and I were out at the barn late at night, roughly 10 pm, doing work on my father's truck. We usually have some type of firearm nearby. As I was smoking a cigarette outside of the barn I felt really uneasy. Nothing had happened out of the ordinary but I felt like I was being watched by someone having a scope on my forehead. The neighbors live about a quarter mile down the road on one side of my father's house and on the other side is an open field. In front of the house is the road with the woods on the other side of the road and behind the house is about 4 acres of land stretching all in a square that is mostly open with scattered trees and the forest is the edge of the property. I felt like the threat was coming from the woods behind the house. I told my father and brother but they felt fine. He told me that if I felt off to shoot several slugs in that direction. So I shot three slugs off into the woods. I didn't hear anything more, but the feeling persisted for about another 10 minutes or so. I figured I was psyching myself out and didn't think much of the situation. This happened near late summer or early fall I believe. Nearly a year later in mid-July, I went back down there. This time my father instructed me to listen for a sound. It was nearly inaudible. It sounded like a heartbeat coming from the floor of his house. It was only possible to hear it if everything was dead silent and your head was near the floor. Nothing shook but the sound was so consistent that it persisted at all times of the day and for over several months. I asked him if it was still happening when I left and he would always tell me that it was, until about October I believe. It was odd, to say the least, but it never made me feel unsafe. However, in September I went down there for a weekend and had one of the scariest encounters of my life. I felt like a small child who wanted to cry for help. My father, my brother, their dog, and my cousin all went to town. So instead of sleeping on the couch, I went to sleep in my father's room. It was roughly 8-10 to am when I went to sleep on his king-sized memory foam mattress. I don't know how much time had passed when I fell back to sleep but I was suddenly woke from my slumber when I felt the bed slightly moved. I figured the dog had jumped up but I was so tired I didn't even open my eyes. Seconds later the bed violently raised and slammed up and down for what seemed to be about 10-20 to 20 seconds. Scared out of my mind I was paralyzed still. I didn't hear anything other than the bed slamming and the box fan being swept across the floor. As soon as it stopped I opened my eyes and looked around the small room. There was a closet near the door that was closed and the door that was cracked open which is not unusual. Afraid to move for nearly 20 minutes I just sat there. I was hoping that nothing was in the closet. I grabbed the shotgun near the bed and opened up the closet and it was empty. I then checked the rest of the house. Some open windows with the screen still in and both doors leading outside bolted locked. I proceeded to look online if an earthquake had happened. It didn't make sense because the box fan had been moved nearly five feet and was on the floor face down. My family returned after this incident about two hours later and I kept silent because I forced myself to believe it was my imagination. Nearly two years later, in 2021, the unexplained phenomena started to happen on almost a weekly basis. My brother moved out so the only two people who noticed it were me when I was down there and my father. He started off the conversation when I arrived there one Friday night with I am not on drugs but I need your eye to tell me if I'm going insane. Since I was more open-minded at this time I agreed to listen and look at what he wanted to show me. It was nearly 11 pm and he instructed me towards his room to shut off his lights. What I saw was a silhouette humanoid figure that would almost leave tracers of itself as it would walk between two different trees in the backyard. From point A to point B however, at point B, the figure would basically teleport back to point A and repeat the cycle. It also happened in my brother's room except the figure would seemingly disappear and reappear behind multiple different trees but still in a pattern. I honestly thought my father's eyes and my eyes were playing tricks on us and I was feeding off his delusions. That's until I saw a light flashing in the woods. It looked yellowish-orange but it flickered three times right at the house in three second intervals that would slowly fade down. He didn't see it at that time nor did he tell me about it. But when I told him what I had just seen it was as if I had just confirmed his fears. He said that he had also seen lights in the same area of the woods. We both covered our windows that night with blackout sheets and slept with a firearm next to our bed. I would also hear almost stomping sounds in the attic late at night almost any time I was down there for a two to three day period. Too scared to check we just ignored it. I've also seen rusted metal illuminate green which is highly odd. For the first time, I saw the shadows before I convinced myself they were real. I coughed up multiple ideas as to what was causing them. Maybe it was the moon and the clouds? Nope, it was a new moon and there was a single cloud in the sky. Maybe it was something like a bird, bat, bug flying around the pole lights? The pole lights don't reach the edge of the woods and the silhouette was so dark it was as if some mass had to be right there. These are all my first-hand accounts. I have several other accounts I could add to these but it could just be more of a coincidence than actual strange occurrences. I don't scare easily. Nor do I usually believe in the supernatural. But I'm now a believer. I am a logger in Northern British Columbia, Canada. I am a avid hunter and have spent many a nights hunting alone. That being said. Quite a few years ago, I was working on a broken-down skitter in the dark after everyone on the logging block was gone. Changing a blown hydraulic hose under the cab when I felt like I was being watched. The feeling continued to get worse and worse so I was on edge and continued to work on replacing the blown hose. Every trip for tools to the service truck and back I would scan for eyes in the nearby tree line about 25 meters away with my flashlight. Nothing. Continued to work on the pain in the ass hose that you literally have to dive your head and upper body under the cab to reach and so your legs are stuck up in the air and feeling vulnerable. The feeling of being watched gets more intense. All the hairs on my neck are standing and I hear a two-tone whistle from far away. Almost as if it was wind it was so far away but it was flat calm that day. Also there was about six foot of fresh snow on the ground. I pushed myself out from under the skidder and looked around quietly with a flashlight for eyes in the tree line. And down the road. Nothing. I had one side of the hose fitting to remove still and it was the easier side and higher up so I wasn't s over t kettle removing it. I put my head back under the cab and quickly began to spin the fitting loose. The feeling of being watched was so bad every hair on my body was standing and then I hear the same two-tone whistle very loudly in the tree line, directly behind me. I had the hose off at the exact same time so I whipped myself out from under the cab and turned ready to thrown down with a one wrench in my hand. Yelling alright, where the F are ya? Nothing, no one there, no tracks, no eyes, no wind, nothing. The flashlight I had was more of a small flood light for working on repair stuff so it didn't light up inside the trees. The next day it had snowed another 6 or so but I went and hiked the tree line with a 12-gauge and 7-3 slugs ready to go. No tracks that I could see, no perches on the trees where snow had been pushed off, if it was a bird. Nothing. A couple of years ago I used to work at a little coffee shop. I loved that place, it was super chill. The kind of place all the real hipsters went to get coffee hipsters and old people. I usually worked afternoons and evenings, which weren't as busy as the morning, so oftentimes the manager would leave me to it and I would be running the whole place by myself. One afternoon this lady came in, and to this day I have never seen a more bizarre looking person. I've moved to Austin, Texas since. You know, the place famous for being weird. So trust me, this lady was really bizarre. Her hair was short and up in two knots, Miley Cyrus style. She was wearing a bright pink leather biker jacket, a long skirt, and sunglasses that she never took off. You probably won't believe this next part, but I swear it's true. It sounds like I'm just trying to make it sound weirder, but this is what happened. She was pushing one of those toy strollers for little girls' baby dolls, and in it was her purse her purse was open because it was overfilled with bananas. She was pushing around a purse full of bananas in a toy stroller. So she walks up to the counter. Hey, what can I get for you? MMFPHHM. I'm sorry, what did you say? H H H H I coffee H H uh, alright a regular coffee, do you want creamer? She didn't even respond so I assumed she didn't want any she paid for her coffee and then went into this hallway in the back that led into a somewhat secluded area from the rest of the seating. At this point I'm thinking she must be really high on something, which would have explained the sunglasses. Anyway, business slows down eventually and I take the opportunity to sweep up the floor a bit. When I come out from behind the counter, she's sitting in the back of that hallway next to the cleaning supplies closet, which she has opened. She has also set up a bunch of those cards you get from like Target or something around her table so that no one can see what she's doing. I walk over to get the broom out of the closet, and as I walk past her I sneak a peek at what she was trying to hide on that table, because who wouldn't? She was burning incense sticks and mumbling to herself. I'm kind of scared to ask her to stop at this point so I just leave her alone and get the broom and close the closet door. When I come back from sweeping the floor, She has opened the closet door again. I put the broom inside and close it again. So later it's closing time and she's still here. She's been sitting there burning incense sticks, mumbling, and opening that closet door for almost four hours. I yell out to let everyone know that we're closing and they all leave. I go out to pick up people's dishes and look back into the hallway. She's still sitting there. Hey, we're closing. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Kay. She doesn't move at all. I'm sure as hell not gonna walk over there and try to force her to leave because she's obviously totally insane, so I just decide that maybe she'll get up in a minute. I finish up most of my closing jobs, which takes about 15 minutes, and she is still there. Hey. You have to leave. Kay. At this point she is creeping me the F out. It's just me and her alone in this restaurant at night. She's obviously a lunatic and she won't leave. I walked back into the kitchen and just stood there clutching the biggest knife I could find. But then through the door that goes out to the counter, I saw her on her way to leave. She was walking very, very slowly. Suddenly she stopped and stood still, just standing there doing nothing. She stood like that for five whole minutes. Then she proceeded walking as slowly as possible toward the door. It took her another 5 minutes to reach it. Once she did reach it, she noticed some newspapers and advertisements we have on a little counter next to it. She stared at them for a while, and then she took all of them, one at a time, and put them carefully in her stroller. This took her about another 5 minutes. While she was doing this, someone came from outside and opened the door to come in. She froze immediately, not moving a muscle, and stood there blocking the doorway. Eventually the person carefully moved around her and I told them we were closed, so they turned around and left. The lady did not move again until the person was gone. She then finally left, and continued walking at the same incredibly slow pace on the sidewalk. She left a bunch of those advertisements and newspapers on the floor that I had to pick up. Weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Several years ago I suffered from a manic episode which led to squatting in a vacant home. Long story short I was eventually picked up by the police and held for about a month until I was allowed to post bail. After I was processed and put into a cell I became claustrophobic and began to panic. I began pounding on the plexiglass door and shouting into the intercom in my cell. Finally they asked if I thought I was a harm to myself or others. Now some people who have dealt with the mental health industry may know that this is the fundamental justification for what's called a 51 to 50. A mandatory 72 hour hold at a mental hospital. I thought to myself that this could be my way of getting entrance to a mental hospital. So I told the person at the other end of the intercom that yes, I was a danger to myself or others. Unfortunately that was not the case. Instead they dragged me out of my cell, twisting my arm and leg, and put me in solitary confinement. They had me stripped of all clothing, not even underwear, and left me with two coarse green woven nylon blankets, one with velcro to attach to my body, affectionately known as a turtle suit. The walls and floors were dirty and rubberized. In the middle of the floor was a brass ringed hole to use as a toilet. A camera stared at me from a corner in the ceiling. There was no bed or chair. The lights were on at all hours. Cold air poured in from a loud vent in the ceiling at all times making it impossible to ever feel comfortably warm. In order to retain heat and feel comfortable against the floor I'd use one of the blankets as a cushion to lie on while the other I'd use to cover my body in a fetal position and block out the light. There was no intercom or plexiglass door now. Just a small window to barely see someone walk past my cell through a hallway that gave no allusion to the time of day or night. The only way to generally tell time was by when I'd be fed. They'd drop the food directly in my hands through a small slot in the door three times a day. I'd have to finish what was in my hand before they'd give me more or let me drink from a pixie cup of water or carton of milk. They didn't tell me how long I would be there for. They wouldn't answer questions. The isolation and boredom would just cause me to find delusional justifications for why I was there, it must be some sort of test. right? Sometimes I'd bang on the door yelling for help, to be let out, for water, or I'd curse at the deaf guards that would never answer me. Eventually I found a sort of rhythm of sleeping or lying awake beneath my blanket between meals. Sometime on the third day I had a moment where I finally let go. All of my fear and worry, anticipation and expectation to leave just left my mind and body. A warmth filled me. Nothing mattered in that moment and I felt at peace. Then it was gone. It lasted less than a second. Afterwards all I could do was think of that moment, try to find that place somewhere inside me again while I lay on the ground in my little rubber refrigerator. It was the feeling of a miracle, there's no better way to describe it, to feel happiness in such a place. I was confined for four days before they took me out for my first court appearance. As they escorted me through the hall and the exterior doors to the awaiting van I got to see the blue sky and feel the warm summer air on my face. I immediately cried and thanked the guards.